I was just running on pure adrenaline. I was um, in, in total shock uh, still, but I was still in that fight type of mentality and running on adrenaline and stuff like that. And at the meantime, trying to maintain a positive attitude and a brave face for my family. Today on the Don't Change Much podcast, we're joined by Manny Ziveros, head coach of the WHL's Vancouver Giants and former professional hockey player. In 2021, Manny was diagnosed with prostate cancer and then colon cancer. He talks about the challenges of being treated for two different types of cancer, how fortunate he was that one revealed the other, and the eventual toll it took on his mental health. Now recovered, Manny continues to make his health a priority. So much so, he didn't accept the Giants' job until he was convinced he was prepared physically and mentally to do the job. I'm your host, Dan Murphy, and you're listening to the Don't Change Much podcast. Manny, thanks so much for, for joining us today back in the Western Hockey League. I know that perhaps somewhere in the future you're still thinking pros. Maybe that's in your head, but is the WHL in your heart, in your soul? You know what? Yeah, Dan, it, it is. You know, it, uh, you know, I started my coaching career over in Europe, um, but my North American coaching career started in the Western Hockey League in Swift Current. I mean, I was so lucky and uh, and um, fortunate to get an opportunity to be able to have that job in Swift Current, you know, and them putting faith in me with that organization there. And uh, that, that kick-started my career. I was so lucky to work with some really good people and had some success in in Swift Current, which uh, kind of got me uh, an opportunity to go to NHL with the Edmonton Oilers after that. But uh, I played in this league for four years, a long, long time ago. I always say it was always before the Second World War, but it was it was a while ago. And my son played in Portland for four years uh, as a as a Portland Winterhawk. So it's it's a special uh, spot for myself and especially for my family. There's pros and cons, I guess, to coaching at every level, but uh, would one of the pros be the chance to make an impact uh, and be an influence on a young men who are just kind of coming into adulthood? Exactly. That's that's probably the best way to put it. It's not about the X and O's and, and the wins and losses. Uh, certainly, that's what these kids are here to just develop and become, get to that next level. But more importantly, if we can leave an impacting um positive uh, in or have a positive influence on these young men as they go forward when they leave junior hockey obviously not everyone is going to make it to the next level here but if we could be some sort of positive influence uh, in their lives going forward after their junior career uh, then we've done our job and that's something that um, the, the staff that i've always worked with in the western hockey whether it was swift current or or uh Spokane here in Vancouver. That's our main goal is that we're there for these young kids when they're away from home is not only just coaching, but more importantly, mentors positive way. So your last stop was in the American Hockey League with Henderson, the, uh, the affiliate of the Vegas Golden Knights. And there was uh, something that interrupted uh, your life and your coaching duties, uh, that had to do with health and maybe take us back to your second year. And how you discovered that, uh, that something might be wrong? Luckily, that I did have that check. Uh, you know, that first season I was with the Vegas Golden Knights organization, that was during the pandemic year. So uh, there was no training camp. So basically, yeah, we, we hit the hit the ground running um, through the NHL and the American Hockey League. So um, normally uh, throughout the season or before the beginning of their, all training camps, that even the coaches will go through a series of, of blood tests and physicals. And that first year, uh, because of the pandemic, uh, a lot of that was it wasn't allowed. 
And uh, so that first year was missed. But that second season, uh, we had a full training camp, normal training camp. I uh, just went through the normal procedures of a normal blood test. And uh, then the doctors called me a couple of days later, said, we have some red flags here. Manny says, I want you to come in and do another test. And uh, it was a simple PSA test, which they do in the United States. And my numbers were really high. They were really concerned about it. And uh, so we did a follow-up test. And then obviously I went to a urologist and we did a, an exam and, and did a, a biopsy on uh, what they had found. And, it, and unfortunately it did turn out to be uh, uh, sorry, prostate cancer. And, uh, you know, we were, obviously when you hear that word cancer, it's, it's a shock. So we didn't know where we were at, at what stage it was or where it had gone, has gone through my body or, or anything. So we were in a total shock. Um, but as the process went on, um, you know, if you're Canadian doing different types of tests, uh, scans, MRIs and continued blood work. And I met with some people, so I was very fortunate to get some really good care. And within six weeks to, I think it was about seven weeks, I was able to get an operation done, um, in California at the USC, uh, uh, cancer uh, Institute, which is a renowned uh, prostate uh, cancer university. And I was very fortunate to get in and get some proper care and uh, get that operation done. So from initial diagnosis to surgery was seven weeks, you just said, about seven weeks? Yeah. Actually, in my case, a really uh, lucky story is that the hockey community is such a small community, that's a, a small or but big family, so to speak, um, that Chris uh, Kingsley, or King, everybody calls him the head athletic uh, trainer for the Los Angeles Kings. I had went through what I had went through also too. And a good friend of mine, Trent Naughty, uh, who I'd worked with in uh, Edmonton Oilers, uh, he had told me what he went through and he told uh, Kinger that what I'm going through. And he was able to get me, you know, very luckily get me to uh, some, some really good doctors. And uh, without that connection of, you know, the hockey world and, and knowing people, I was so fortunate or else it could have been a different story. So I was very fortunate in that capacity. I had some of the best doctors looking after me. Were you able to process that news over those, you know, month and a half or were you so focused on trying to get the care you needed that you didn't have time to really deal with what you were going through uh, mentally perhaps? Well, first of all, it was a shock um, and, and certainly disbelief. You know, certainly I didn't think this could happen to me. I, you know, like anything, you never think it could happen to yourself. For the most part, I really took care of my body. I worked out uh, for the most part. I thought I, I, you know, ate properly, everything else. So, and there wasn't really a history in my family as far as uh, uh, prostate cancer. I, I did have a, an uncle uh, that had it, but at much later stages or later in his, his life. So it was something that we weren't overly concerned about. So uh, for me, it was it was quite a shock. You know, I felt absolutely normal. I, there's nothing absolutely wrong with me, and I, you know, I, I thought I was in a really good condition. And that's that part. I just it was disbelief at first, and then after that, it's your family. Like you kind of worried about your family as far as how they're thinking and what's going to happen to, for instance, my wife. What's going to happen to my husband, or what's or my more importantly, my kids, my boys. What's going to happen to my my father? So it's kind of that. Uh, you know, that flight or fight type of mentality. And uh, right away, uh, I'm saying, whatever we got to do, um, we're, we're going to fight this. We're going to do whatever we possibly can, uh, you know, fight this. And whatever news they give us, I'm going to be prepared to make sure that I'm able to battle through everything that I have to go through. And uh, that was something, uh, we certainly weren't at that stage just yet, though, but that's something I was certainly was prepared to do. And, and I was very fortunate enough that too, being young enough and, and good enough health that I still had the strength that, 
whatever was going to, you know, be in front of us, I'll be able to handle. Now the, the decision for surgery, is that also because you're young, uh, in yeah. shape and they knew that you could handle, uh, the rehabilitation of it all. Yeah. No, that, that part was something for sure. The doctors that said, no, your age or like that. We just want, you know, let's get rid of this right away. And then hopefully that uh, later on with tests and stuff like that, it hasn't gone, it hasn't spread anywhere else or so. That decision for me was very simple. And I had some really good people who were around me that were helping me inform me on this. And none other than one of my, our team doctors in Henderson, his name is uh, Patrick Pierce. He was actually our team doctor and we had in Spokane, but he was now working for the Henderson Silver Knights. And uh, uh, he walked me through it. I called him my caddy. Uh, we became really good friends. Our family are great people. And, you know, and I, I you know, off. I, I would call him, uh, you know, pretty well every day with questions, you know, Bill scared. I was so fortunate to have a really good friend there. I uh, was a doctor and actually had to go through it himself also too. And he walked me through step by step of what to expect of what could happen throughout this whole process. So I was so blessed to have that type of, um, support. So you not only had to deal with one cancer diagnosis, you actually had to deal with a second one on top of that. What was the timeline like? Uh, for the colon cancer diagnosis? Well, I, I knew uh, that I was going to have to go to, at the end of the season when it was done, uh, I knew I was going to have to do some radiation treatment on it. So that was something we knew going forward too. But um, again, from the advice of my uh, my good friend, uh, PZ, um, he had said, you know, why don't we go get a, a routine uh, colonoscopy? We haven't had that done for a little for a while now. And this is something that... Uh, after radiation, you probably won't be able to have anything done for over at least over a year. I said, let's go have a look at it. And I went in and got it. And we were just expecting this to be routine. And then I got the, a call about a day later. It says, no, we have something that we're quite concerned about. And I said, are you kidding me? And uh, sure enough, it turned out to be uh, colon cancer. And uh, it was right on the area of the colon, close, right close to the rectal area like that too. But they weren't uh, really sure what to call it, but it was in the, it was in the colon area. So um, I had to go in and do uh, the same exact surgery that I had just done a few months before. They were pretty concerned about it because of all the scar tissue. And it's quite a, it's quite a significant surgery. It was done robotically, which is the best way to do it. Uh, but it is quite, uh, significant surgery. It took me a long time um, to uh, uh, recover from that first surgery. So I had to go get that surgery done over again within a few, a couple months again. And uh, this is getting towards the end of our season uh, of my second year in in, uh, in Henderson. And then uh, at that time, more than anything, uh, Dan, I, like I didn't even know what to think anymore. I says, like, what are the odds of that? It was so rare that something like that could happen back to back. Um, but they went in and they looked at it and they said, you know what? But let's be thankful. This is somebody's looking after you because I think we got this one pretty early. So I ended up going through the surgery. Um, I ended up being back on the bench for a playoff run. It was maybe not even 10 days after the surgery. I was back on, on the bench. Uh, with our guys uh, for our playoff. And uh, I was just running on pure adrenaline. Um, I was uh, in, in total shock uh, still, but I was still in that fight type of mentality and running on adrenaline and stuff like that. And at the meantime, trying to maintain a positive attitude and a brave face for my family. But looking back on it, it was kind of a blur how everything happened, but I just 
just did what I always did. I wanted to get back and work with the, with our players and get back in, in playoffs. And, uh, so I ended up doing that surgery and, and having known that, um, in the summer or whatever, after that, and a couple of months uh, later, I'm going to have to do radiation and chemo at that time. And what I had it done was in April or the surgery or late March, April. And then I ended up starting my uh, chemo and radiation in uh, June of that year, that summer. Manage your stress, not the other way around. For simple ways to improve your mental health, check out the free MindFit Toolkit from the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Complete a self-assessment, access virtual counseling, and learn more about how anxiety, stress, or depression might be impacting your health. Go to menshealthfoundation.ca and access the MindFit Toolkit to start improving your mental wellness today. So uh, looking back, um, would you make that same decision again to try to get back, uh, put on the brave face for your family? Because that's what you felt like you had to do at that point in your life. You know what? In hindsight, I wouldn't, but, okay. but I just, my wife says to me, we always talk about, but, but you said you still would. That's just who <laughs> I am and my makeup is. Um, but that's just, that's how I was. And that's just how I'm wired. I wanted to be back and compete. And that was my group for that. And, that's where I, a lot of areas I felt pretty comfortable and safe a lot. And that's where I was able to forget about uh, a lot of the things that were bothering me later on. So, um, I went through that process. I did my, my chemo, I did my radiation. Um, I still showed up to development camp, uh, with, with the Vegas Golden Knights during that time. Um, I remember going on the ice, coming back from chemo and, and develop and radiation and jumping on the ice. And I remember getting on the ice and. And not even remembering where I was, these kids were flying by me like this, and I didn't even know where I was. I remember I had to just kind of go by there, but try to bluff my way through this practice. Thankfully, I had nothing to do, but I wanted to be part of it. Um, it was, in hindsight, it's probably the worst thing I could have did. I needed to, to, to rest. Um, then I went through that, and I had some complications uh, from my chemo and my radiation, which I got real sick. I was in the hospital for about two and a half weeks, um, and it was... Um, situation where um, doctors were really concerned about my life as far as how I was reacting to the chemo. But I did get through that and continue my treatment after that. Um, and then uh, probably by the time I was done, I think 10 days later, I was back at training camp at the Henderson Silver Knights back on the ice and uh, just started going quite honestly down throughout that process later on in the year. Um, I, I crashed. I, I, I crashed. Um, I didn't know I crashed, but my wife, uh, she looked at me, said, you need help. Uh, there's like, you're not yourself. I hated going to the rink. Uh, I just hated being around. I, I'd come home. I was not who I was as a person. And just, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. My, and thank God my wife, uh, was there for me. She says, we need to get you some help. And I thank God I had my, my close friend again, also, uh, Dr. PZ. Patrick Piercy was there and I went to him and I talked also to my, my oncologist. And I just said, listen, I, I said, I got nothing. He says, well, we're surprised. We're not surprised. He says, this is normal. Um, after the, the fight that you have gone through, this is normal for a lot of cancer uh, patients is that you, you build so much adrenaline uh, in your, in your body and your brain is building all this adrenaline so you can fight this disease 
and keep you strong and, and try to keep you positive. So once, whether you get good news or you get uh, other news, uh, you you have nothing left. And uh, since your body and your brain is not capable of producing that on its own, you need time and rest and, and medication to get you back. Basically, my tank is empty. And it's in basically what Doc said. It says, you have to, we have to refill your tank. So you can have uh, that feeling of uh, being able just to feel, you know, even keeled. And I look back of how I was uh, that last hockey season throughout the year. Um, I, w- I had no idea uh, how I was, but I was I was certainly not myself by any means. And, you know, thank God my loved ones were able to to see that and then and talk to me. And, and, and I was lucky enough to realize, okay, no, I do need help. Because I didn't feel, I didn't feel right. I really didn't. Uh, um, so that's something I was very, very fortunate to go through, but it was, uh, it wasn't just the battle of the cancer itself, but more importantly, I think is, um, the mental part of it and the mental health part of it is that it, that really can beat me up and, uh, um, and not just myself, but my family too. Like it's, it, it's, it's just an effect individual. It affects everybody around all your loved ones and your close friends. So when your wife said this, she wasn't talking about physically. She wasn't talking about you're not yourself physically. You're not yourself mentally. And no. I'm assuming you had worked so hard to take care of yourself physically. You didn't really even want to confront the mental aspect of it at that point. No, not at all. And I, I you know what, that I wasn't prepared to, or I wasn't sure of it. Um, like I said before that, I remember I'd go to the rink and I would sit outside my vehicle and then I said, I can't, I can't go in. So I couldn't will my, I, I freeze. And, um, then I convinced myself to go in and I'd put on my normal brave face. And, and for most people who know me, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, the glass is half full than half empty. And, uh, my wife noticed that and, and even my kids had noticed that too. And, uh, that I wasn't, you know, my normal self as usual. And, uh, that's something that was alarming and would affect my family life with my wife and my, our relationship. And, uh, when she says something like that, then, you know, if that's the closest person in your life, you, then that, that was, you know, it was a wake up call. So, okay, maybe I do need some help here. And, uh, I was very, very fortunate to, to, you know, have the people and support, be able to get that help. And, and a lot of it was just having the proper time to rest, but I did need, need some help also to from medicine to get me back to where I was again like that. So that's, that, that was really important here. So besides the meds, did you, did you, did you talk to someone? Did you have yeah, some therapy as well? I did. I certainly did. I, you know, my therapy was through, was through my, our team doctor, um, who was, and I did talk to someone else also to, uh, professionally in those and talked about things that were bothering me. And, and I was reassured this is normal, what you're going through. And this is, you know, this is something that, uh, happens. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's a majority of the people that go through that. You're going to suffer a little bit about that too. And I, I have some a really good close friend of mine also too is uh, going through some health issues with cancer too, and he's on the other side of it right now. And he said the same thing to me. He says I, I suffer from depression at times, and I said this is perfectly normal within a certain amount of time after that too. And I said, says don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, even if someone, if you don't think you need help, if someone's telling you that possibly you do need help, listen to them. Cause there's a good chance that that person who's close to you knows you better than anybody, that there's a good chance that, that you do need that help and don't feel embarrassed. And dad, I, I wasn't embarrassed for getting, asking for help uh, by any means. I knew I was not right, but I didn't know I could clinically, you know, you know, diagnose myself with like I was depressed. And that's something mm-hmm. I was so lucky that I had, you know, people close to me enough that knew who I was before. Uh, I, all this happened. 
I think this is a good time to say too, like, and you were lucky enough to have the physical through your work, right? A doctor through your work, uh, a loved one to tell you when you probably need some help, uh, some therapy through your work. So this is just a good reminder to people out there who might not have the stuff. You have to be proactive. If you think there's something wrong, um, or even if you don't get the yearly checkup, don't put it off because you just never know what you're going to find. Uh, and if someone like you goes through all it and you have the support uh, system, it just, it really hammers home the fact that people should be so proactive on this kind of stuff with their health. So I totally agree. Whether it's the physical part or the mental part of it, dad, for me, the biggest thing is, is, well, I know now that we know that kids distinctly in my family's history now with my, my boys, uh, both my boys now they're at 30 years old, they're, they're getting checked. You know, and uh, there's never too early, and in, in especially when there's a history like that for them to go get that exam to make sure that everything's okay. And that's something to be, uh, you know, to exactly, I totally agree, proactive here. I was always, like anything, you, say, you think you're invisible, you think you're good. I was an athlete, I always took care of myself. You go through different things and, you, and you, you heal from it. So you think at times you're invincible or sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind type of thing. You don't even think about it, but I think that's... Uh, the worst thing you can do is, is just go in, uh, you know, once or twice a year, uh, once you get to a certain age for, for, for men is this to go in to talk, have a conversation with your doctor and uh, whether the doctor says, okay, maybe we should look us up or not, but just even have that conversation is important. And I guess an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, that's something if you just go in and just, just have a conversation and a quick, simple blood test it takes 10, 15 minutes. And then, then you'll know a peace of mind. Or you, you can get yourself ahead of the game, you know, catch something really early. And that's something that, um, in hindsight, I wish I could have done that earlier, uh, way earlier than that. But um, there's always a lesson to be learned in something like this. And uh, uh, if I could help, um, like, my boys and, and, and their children growing up, uh, you know, early detection, if any type of thing like that, then so be it. I'm not going to do anything I possibly can. I am, I'm lucky. My brother-in-law's urologist. And so there's always been the, the message there. My father had prostate cancer. My father-in-law had prostate cancer. My wife's stepfather had prostate cancer. So it's always been so prevalent that it's something that okay. I'm not going to, you know, avoid getting those tests. Um, so I, once you decide to uh, seek help, how long then before you started to turn a corner till you could tell perhaps, or that your family could tell that, oh, you were making strides? You know what? It took me, I would say at least a good, good eight weeks. Um, but for me, a lot of it was just having a burden of, of understanding, okay, wait a minute. There was something wrong there. It wasn't just, um, it wasn't just me. Like I just, I felt, okay, now that I'm, this doesn't, that makes sense. It really makes sense. And that's something that we're, it's okay. There's a reason why I'm feeling like this. There's a reason why I, I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to be not by myself, but not just stay away from what I normally did as when I, everything was fine. And uh, for me, that was a big relief. And then once understanding what I was going through and stuff like that and talking to people and understand this is normal, um, you know, again, that just having that positive belief of, of okay, I can get through this and there's support and help there, I was able to do it. And I was able to get back again and just kind of, um, it, it happened at a, at a good time where it was at the end of the hockey season. So there was a real good time where I could just take the time away from the game and just concentrate on, on getting myself back, uh, back again. Cause that last, that 18 months before it, it wasn't, it wasn't fun by any means. And that was the first summer, um, 
in, in quite a while that I was able just to kind of just kind of breathe and, and I was able to get my feet underneath me again. So and, and did the things that I get did the things that I, I, I enjoyed. And yeah. uh, and one was just being around my family again. And that that was uh, that was huge. Um it just I, I felt I was getting better. I felt I had my energy back and I kinda of felt that I had my positive outlook in life or no matter what it was, I felt I had that that jump again. And uh, my wife certainly not realized that I was getting that back also too. Sometimes it's, it's hard to focus on yourself and be selfish when you need to be. And I, it sounds like, I mean, you were able to draw strength from your wife and, and your boys, uh, obviously uh, team doctors, close friends. Uh, were you always uh, open to sharing your story um, about this? And if not, when did you feel like it was time for you to speak up to, to perhaps help others that, that might be going through something similar. Uh, you know, at first when I was going through everything, as far as, uh, you know, through my treatments and everything that was going on, just the physical part of that with the radiation and the chemo, just my wife and I, we were in Las Vegas and that's where I was getting my treatments done. So it was just her and I, and that part for me is I, you know, I didn't really want, I didn't want to see anybody at that time. I changed appearance-wise in some capacity quite a bit. I lost quite a bit of weight, and obviously there's a reason for it. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to be uh, around people, and, and that's something where I look back in hindsight. Where I've talked to a, a really good friend of mine also too, who happened to go through uh, a different type of cancer after me. But I saw what he was going through. Also, I gone through the same thing, and I just told him. I said, "Listen, the worst thing you can do is." Just recluse yourself from everybody else. Like, I let your closest family and friends close be near you. They need to be close to you. They need to support you. They need to mourn with you in some capacities as far as, you know, share their pain also too. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be brave. You don't have to be the tough one. It says, let everybody else, they hurting too. So let them be near you. It's, it's good for everybody. Now, once I realized that later on going through a seat, even with my mental health issues throughout that that time i i look back in hindsight as is i i wish i would have opened up a lot earlier and maybe shared some of that with my family and i did talking with my sons also too is that you know they were you know i always in the mindset of you know don't tell them everything because they don't want them to worry but that's probably the worst thing i could have done i should have kept them informed as much as possible not just through my wife but for, especially for myself and let them know how i felt and you know, let them feel some of that uh, or help with that that pain too because they they were in, in this they were hurting just as much as i was maybe this is a natural follow-up but is the the ordeal and uh, the cancer and the chemo and the surgery has that changed at all how you are as a father or as a husband yeah great question it has it's something that you you respect and you don't take for granted how precious your marriage is how precious life is how precious your family is how precious health is i wouldn't don't wish this on anybody to go through that this is not that i didn't respect that and realize how precious my family and my relationship and my wife but you make it appreciate even that much more how uh you just can't take everything for granted life is so precious and Sometimes you just get caught up with uh, of everything. It's today's society, everything. Everybody wants everything now, but you don't take the time to enjoy and uh, really enjoy the moment instead of moving on to the next thing all the time. And that's something um, 
I'm trying to, to do that. It's not, it's not working all the time, but for the most part, I'm doing my best on that and really enjoying the moment and, and trying to slow down some areas uh, to really, like you said, just enjoy that, that moment. What about uh, the way you communicate with your players? I mean, I'm sure you have a way you coach X's and O's, but maybe has the communication uh, changed with players at all or the interpersonal uh, relationships in terms of how you uh, might talk to them? I mean, these are young men now, but uh, yeah. maybe if you get back to the pros, you're, you're dealing with guys that are 22, 23, 24. You know what? I, I, I don't think so, Dan, because my style of coaching, I think it has, has always been that. Is I've always been uh, an advocate of not just talking about checking in with kids on X and O's. I'm just making sure that these players are in a good place, in a comfortable, comfortable place, in a safe environment. Uh, that's something that, for me, was not a whole lot different when I went back to work again. I'm certainly a lot more conscientious in a lot of ways as far as maybe being careful of uh, how to talk to a player or correct a player. Uh, certainly a little bit more conscientious in that way, but not for the most part. That was how is, I've always coached. You know, I've not always been, uh, I'm not a, a, a yeller or a screamer. And if I ever do get upset or something like that, then I know that's not who I am. And then that's maybe, I tell myself, right, I can't get back off. That's just not. Uh, what I what I do, and uh, the players realize that, and uh, I think that part I always have seem to have a pretty good relationship with the players as far as uh, that communication part of it too, because it's never whether they say it's it's the highway or my way or the highway, so to speak. It, it's always an open dialogue with with these players, especially with these young players nowadays. If uh, when they're coming the first time away from home, uh, it's a big challenge for these young guys to be able to just to be able to manage school, travel, the Western Hockey League. Uh, it's really important that they have a place where they come to every day and feel comfortable. The podcast is called Don't Change Much. Um, so have you changed anything about the way you take care of yourself? Yeah, I, I well, I take time. I make sure um, not enough as my wife thinks I should, uh, but I, I do try to take that time for myself, you know, where I need that uh, time to make sure that I, you know, have that extra little bit of time just to rest. Um, I certainly changed diet, uh, for the most part. Um, I've always tried to eat healthy for the most part, but I'm certainly a lot more conscientious of what I do, uh, eat now and I, from before, but, uh, for the most part, I think it's just taken that time where, you know, maybe I need an extra hour or two or, or whatever, instead of watching videos that maybe it's just go for a walk get back and do something in the gym or just go for a walk with your wife or doing something outside of what I do for a living. I think it's really understanding that like not everything's so important that it can't wait. And, and, and also is don't get worked up too easily about things that possibly are most likely if it's an issue today, just think about, it, is it going to be an issue a week or a problem a week or now and nine times out of 10, it's not. So that's why I think I have a little bit more of as far as a patience and, and not getting maybe a little bit too worked up in certain situations too. Do you still talk to anyone in the, in the medical field or if not, is it something you'd go back to if you ever thought you needed to? Yeah, hundred percent. I do. I still do my checkups uh, uh, every three months. Uh, you know, I got my oncologist. I'm very fortunate enough to be able to keep my oncologist and, and the doctor teams that I work with in Las Vegas. And I'll go back again in January to, to have my three months checkup again. And then, uh, after that, we'll probably end up going to six months after that. So, uh, everything up to, uh, now has been absolutely, you know, clean, which is the most important part of it. Those people are big parts of my life and, and save my life. What about the mental health side of things? 
Is yeah. Seat conversation. Yeah, I do. I do all the time. That's one thing. Um, one thing I do. I've learned, I guess, as as far as uh, another adjustment is, is I'll I'll take time to talk things out more uh, compared to just not you know keeping it in. If I have something that's I need to talk about that's bother me, I will make sure that I have an opportunity to say what I what's what's what I'm feeling, and I think that's really important. Also, last couple of questions. One would be if there's a young man out there who wants to make health more of a priority, but doesn't know how or doesn't think they need to right away, uh, what would the message be? Well, I, I just think the biggest thing is, uh, I think information nowadays is so easy for anybody. You know, if they have any concerns, if they think there's something that's right, they certainly could, uh, they can search it, uh, but not obviously look at everything that's on the internet, but you go get, go, go talk to a doctor to, or talk to someone. There's so many resources out there nowadays, whether they're in school or within within a program, with even within a hockey team in our league, like something with one of our players, if they're not right, uh, they don't have to come to us. They, there's a hotline that they can call it and, and get the proper or the, the resources that they need to to help mold like that. And that's something I think nowadays. If uh, don't be ashamed, especially I think that stigma of being, uh, you know, especially males and especially in this sport of being tough is something that I think we kind of have to get rid of that in some, especially with our mental health. Yes, players, hockey players are incredibly tough at how they play the game. It's a hard physical game like that. But at the end of the day, they're human beings. And these players and people, they go through a lot of adversity or or, 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 or daily stresses that they can sometimes handle themselves. And I just think that don't be embarrassed to to talk to somebody or at least start the conversation. Or more importantly though, that I think if anything though, if, if, uh, you see somebody or a person, or if I see someone I think is not right in a good place, I will ask them and I'll just, I'll, and I have no problem with that too. As maybe before I would have just kind of said, okay, no, we can deal with it or he can deal with it. I'll go up and I'll make sure I try to start a conversation. It may not be right away, but maybe eventually they'll open up. And that's something I think, uh, uh, for a person, whether they're dealing with issues or someone who has mental health issues that they think that can help. I think the biggest thing is just ask, create a dialogue, start talking. It's, it's a, something for me, uh, helped me in so many ways. We can tell people to head to mentalfoundation.ca. We have a, a men's health check on that and it helps you look at the eight most common problems that, uh, that men have. And, and you check through the boxes with, with mental health and colon cancer and prostate cancer. Um, I'll leave you this. What uh, what does uh, the future hold for uh, Manny Viveros? Uh, what do you, what do you? Uh, I know the Giants are here now. Is coaching in your blood now uh, until you don't want to work anymore? Yeah, you know I, I I do what I love. I really do. I love being at the rink. I enjoy it. I I love the challenge of competing every single day. And um, I always think that best form of coaching is is for me is I've been in you know. Been fortunate up in the National Hockey League and American Hockey League, and now I'm back in in, in the West League with an uh, incredible organization here. But I just think it's also an extra opportunity for me when I'm here uh, in junior hockey is to to improve your coaching skills again. And I think this is where this is the purest form and the most uh, you know gr- gratifying, rewarding part of coaching is that because you see these guys at a young age and where they go in such a short period of time because they're such incredible athletes. Um, you know, I, I want to keep doing this till the time I can, Dad. And obviously in this business, uh, that happens quite a bit, but, uh, I've been, uh, I, I love it. And, uh, I, I want to keep doing this for as long as I possibly can here. It's been a lot, it's been a lot of fun.
Well, we want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story and being so open about it, because really this is almost a form of coaching here too, uh, giving some information and helping young men or middle-aged men uh, to get through some of these problems or to make sure they're proactive about learning about them before they become problems. Manny, thank you uh, so much for this. We appreciate your time and we hope to see you down the road. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Click the follow button if you enjoyed this conversation and join us each month for a new episode of the Don't Change Much podcast. To learn more about Men's Health Check and what you can do to assess your risk level for the eight most common health conditions affecting men, visit menshealthfoundation.ca.